Good morning. It's great to be with you guys. That, that was fun. <laughs> that was fun. Um, my kids are in good company. <laughs> it's good to see you. Um, my name is Armin, and I'm the youth director over at Oak Hill Church, which means I'm also your youth director. And I just want to say thank you for that partnership. I've loved getting to know your students, and um, I'm looking forward to continuing to get to know them um, over, over the years. So we really enjoy having this partnership between Ebenezer and Community of Joy and Oak Hill. We call it Through Student Ministries so that everybody's included in that. Um, It's also a privilege to be here today to bring you God's word. Um, We're going to open in prayer, and then we'll go into our our text today. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the truth that is there. And today, Father, I pray that that word would go forth, that we'd all be able to hear it, including me, and that we'd be drawn closer to you. In your name, amen. Today, we're in Mark chapter 1, verses 9 through 15. Mark chapter 1, verses 9 through 15. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. The Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days, being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. That's God's word, God's truth. And now I have a little story. Um, It's a bit of an illustration, and I just want to clarify. We're going from truth to a story, okay? Once upon a time, a poor mistreated fisherman's boy stood on the banks of a stream coming in from the ocean. Behind him was a little fishing hut, his humble home. Inside, the man he called father was negotiating a sale with a visiting nobleman. The item in question was the boy himself. The visiting nobleman had seen the boy and instantly knew the boy did not belong in this southern land. He and his father looked nothing alike, and they sounded nothing alike. No, this boy had come from a faraway place of different peoples and different cultures. The novelty of this boy in this southern land would make a great asset in the nobleman's palace. The boy looked out at the southern night sky and wondered about his future. Was there something greater for him on the horizon? Or was there something much worse? Then he turned and looked beyond the hills toward the mysterious north. He had never been allowed to explore there or even talk about it, and yet there was something about the north that called to him. What he did not know was that north was his home. This boy, hardly more than a slave, had a secret history. He had a legacy, and he had a family of which he was completely unaware C.S. Lewis tells the story of this boy, Shasta, in the book, uh, The Horse and His Boy. It's a favorite of mine, and I think there's something that can connect here today. The great problem faced by the main character, Shasta, is a question of identity. Where do I belong, he wonders. The rest of his tale is one of many blunders and misadventures as he seeks for his home. And aren't we all a bit like Shasta, wondering where we belong and looking for our place? 
Don't we long to hear the words God spoke to Jesus? You are loved, with you I am well pleased. Perhaps you've looked for that affirmation in friendships, some good, maybe some not so good. Perhaps you've looked for that affirmation in a partner or even in a family of your own. Perhaps you've listened for those words from a parent, but maybe they never came. If so, you're in good company with the people in Scripture. Because on the banks of another river stood a large crowd. They, too, were looking for belonging. They were driven to the Jordan River to hear from a man named John. John was a preacher, and he spoke of a coming Savior, a Messiah. People were drawn to his fire-fueled message, Prepare yourselves, someone great is on the way. The people on the riverbank wanted to belong in God's kingdom, and John urged people to be baptized, to be washed in the water, both outwardly and inwardly, to prepare themselves for a Messiah and redeem their identity as God's people. Why were these people seeking baptism in the first place? Most of these people were Jews. They had a special relationship with God, one that was defined by following Moses' law or, if you were a male, circumcision. Yet the people gathering at the Jordan were there for something more. Despite having a special relationship with God, they still felt that they did not fully belong to him. Something about these people on the Jordan River kept them separate. Something kept them from being whole, and something made them feel unworthy. The people hanging on John's every word were there to find forgiveness for their sins. The sins that said, you don't belong. Is that not what sin does to us today? It isolates us from God. Sin brings us shame, and in sin, we feel like we don't belong to God's community, and maybe we don't deserve to be there. And maybe you felt that sometimes on a Sunday morning. Do I really feel like I can be here? You see, we have an accuser who wishes to remind us of our sin in order to keep us from God. Our enemy, Satan, does not want you to know who you are and to whom you belong. Don't listen to him. Instead, listen to the invitation of Jesus and the declaration of the Father. Repent and believe the good news. You are my beloved son. In Jesus, you belong with your heavenly Father. Community of joy, Jesus has made a way for you to belong in God's kingdom, his family. If you are in Christ, that belonging is a current reality right now. How can you know that you belong to your heavenly Father? First, we belong because Jesus obeyed. Let's return to the scene at the Jordan River. The crowds are gathered there to listen to John and to be baptized for the forgiveness of sins. And out of the midst of this crowd steps Jesus. Why is he there? He has no sin to be cleansed of. We're given a little bit more information in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 3, where it says this, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me. Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Why was Jesus there to be baptized? To fulfill all righteousness. Jesus submitted himself to John's baptism, not because he had sin, but because this is how he would fulfill all righteousness. This is how he would show obedience to the will of his Father. So when John baptizes Jesus in the Jordan, he puts him down, brings him back up, 
And immediately after, as Jesus comes out of the water, the heavens are opened. And it's no gentle parting of the clouds. The heavens are ripped open, like a kid opening presents on Christmas Day. And in fact, this tearing motion, the word that's used there, bookends the Gospel of Mark. It shows up at Jesus' baptism, and it also shows up towards the end of the Gospel, where Jesus submits himself to death on the cross. And as he does so, the curtain temple that separates the most holy place from everyone else is torn open in the same way that the heavens are torn open. And here's what we can learn. Jesus' obedience opens the way to the Father. As the heavens are ripped open, the Spirit descends on Jesus like a dove, and the voice of the Father thunders, You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. These are words of power, of affirmation, of anointing. These are words that say, You have done well. I don't know how many in this room are oldest children. I know my wife and I are. But if you are, the words of the Father might have a particular poignancy for you. Because oldest children typically want to do everything right. And as an oldest child myself, I could tell you stories of hustling after the best grades and trying to seek my teacher's approval. Um, And youngest children, you've probably had a time or two where maybe you've rolled your eyes at your older siblings when they are trying to show that they're in the right. By the way, they're not always right either. I remember a time when my younger brother at the dinner table said, I know something that Armin does wrong. He was really proud of himself for this. He said, Armin doesn't say, you're welcome, whenever I say thank you. He was so proud of that. <clears throat> because youngest children and middle children, you too seek approval and you need it. Can you imagine how many hurts in the world could be soothed if all children could hear these words from their dads? You are loved, you are mine. I'm pleased with you. No matter your birth order, we all need love, affirmation, and approval. We find it in the perfect love of our Heavenly Father. Jesus was the perfect, obedient Son, and still is. Where we fail to obey, Jesus obeyed perfectly. He's obedient in baptism. He's obedient in death. Jesus' obedience, through the finished work of the cross, covers all the times we fail to obey. Romans 5.19 declares, For as by one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. When you've missed the mark, go to Jesus in repentance, and his obedience will be your obedience. You belong as God's son because the perfect son was obedient. Church, Jesus In Jesus, you belong with your heavenly Father. Why do we belong? And how do we know this when we stray from our Father? Secondly, we belong because Jesus was faithful. Immediately after Jesus' baptism and the anointing words of the Father, Jesus is driven out into the wilderness. There's no baptism celebration with family. There's no cake out in the fellowship hall. No, for Jesus, he goes to the wilderness to be challenged. Isn't it strange that Mark says that Jesus was driven out into the wilderness? Can you think of anyone else in Scripture that was driven out into the wilderness? There might be a few that come to mind. Um, Adam, all the way back in Genesis 2, God drove out the man away from paradise into the wilderness. You might also think of Moses leading the Israelites for 40 years in the wilderness. The wilderness is a place of isolation and loneliness. 
a place of trials. But Jesus is not Adam, nor is he Moses, nor is he Israel. Their stories were marked by failure, and Jesus is their fulfillment. One of my favorite books growing up was a, a German book translated to English called The Never-Ending Story. Some of you might know the movie from the 80s. If you've seen the movie, you've only seen half of the story, and the best part is actually the second part. In this story, a boy named Bastian gets whisked away to a land of fantasy, the land of fantasy, the origin point of all human imagination. He explores fantastic lands, he rides a dragon, uh, he saves a princess, and he befriends this warrior named Atreyu. And Atreyu and Bastion have all these adventures, but like the name implies, as they go from adventure to adventure, they don't always finish the story that they start, and their stories become a bit never-ending. Each adventure spawns a new story, but again, those stories don't find an end. At one point, Bastion endangers others by mishandling a magic sword that he finds. This sword has a will of its own where it, it jumps from its sheath when it senses danger. And Bastion forces it from its sheath in a moment of anger and turns it on his best friend, Atreyu. And Atreyu runs away. And Bastion realizes what he's done, and he drops the sword, never to pick it up again, and runs off to his next adventure. And at this point, the narrator steps in, and he says this, someday, somebody else will come and pick up this sword, and he'll be able to use it without harming anybody. But then the narrator says this, that's another story, and it will be told another time. And as Bastion continues his adventures and keeps leaving the stories unfinished, the narrator brings up that refrain over and over again, another story for another time. And finally, Bastion exhausts himself from all of his adventures, and he just wants to go home. But he's not allowed to because he has not finished his stories. And he's told, you have to go back and pick up every story that you left unfinished. And at this point, his friend Atreyu steps in, forgives Bastion, and says, I'll finish the story in your place. All the stories that you left behind. And therefore, Bastion's forgiven, and Bastion can go home free. Jesus is the faithful one. He steps into our failed stories and he completes them. Mark tells us that Jesus spent 40 days in the wilderness being tempted by Satan, yet Jesus withstands the accuser and remains faithful to God. His faithfulness fulfills the broken stories of the past. Where Adam fell to temptation, Jesus is victorious. Where Moses faltered, Jesus is steadfast. Where Israel wandered, Jesus is resolute. His faithfulness completes the broken stories that you and I find ourselves in here today. All our failure, all our distraction, all our unfaithfulness finds an end in the cross of Christ and in the empty tomb. 1 Corinthians 15, 21 through 22 says this, For as by a man came death, by a man has also come the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive." You have a new story to live, the eternal truth of Christ's faithfulness. In the cross, his faithfulness is counted as your faithfulness. You belong as God's son because the perfect son was faithful. Friends, in Christ you belong with your heavenly father. How can you know that you belong? Finally, we belong because Jesus invites us to be a part of God's family. 
Jesus steps out of the wilderness and arrives on the public scene in Galilee. He's been obedient in baptism. He's been declared as God's beloved son. He has the anointing of God's approval. He's been tested and tried in the wilderness, emerging as faithful and victorious over Satan. Now he has a message to proclaim. And what a message it is. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Jesus announces then as well as today that God's kingdom is not far off. It's as near as your hand right in front of your face. Already, but not yet. It's not a kingdom of political power plays, of bureaucracy or force. It is the world as it should be, where God's love, grace, and righteous judgment rule the day. It is a kingdom of newly created people seeking to do God's will and working for his good in the world, and you are invited to belong within it. Jesus' gospel comes with an invitation. Repent and believe. What's the greatest invitation that you've ever received? Maybe it was an invitation to a wedding. Maybe it was an invitation to be a part of a wedding. Maybe it was an invitation for your wedding. Maybe it was an acceptance ledger to go to a college or maybe to belong to a select group or a promotion at work. Invitations can be absolutely life-changing. And there's no more life-changing invitation than the one Jesus brings to you and I. The decisive time is here, Jesus says. This is the moment. Don't let it pass by. Repent and believe, for God's kingdom is at hand. Do you wish to find belonging in the Heavenly Father? Jesus' invitation begins with repenting, acknowledging disobedience and unfaithfulness and the ways that we fail to do the good things that we ought to do. Repentance means finding yourself on the wrong path, going down the wrong road, and calling out to God and saying, God, would you put my feet on the right path, on your path? And Jesus' invitation ends with belief. This means trusting that Jesus has perfectly obeyed, is perfectly faithful, and has fulfilled all righteousness on your behalf. Belief is trusting that Jesus has done it all for you. He gives you a new way to live for today, and a life eternal for tomorrow in his kingdom to come. Believe. Friends, in Christ, you belong with your heavenly Father. He has opened the way to God, who we can call Father because of what he's done. At the beginning of the message, you heard a part of Shasta's story from the horse and his boy. And as the boy listened to his so-called father barter his life away with this nobleman, he wondered where he truly belonged. Who were his people, and where was his home? The answer to those questions was outrageously wonderful, so much so that Shasta would not have believed it at the beginning of the story. He had to go through many trials along the way to be able to accept the truth that he found out at the end. He had to run through crowded city streets, among darkened tombs in the dead of night, across a perilous desert with a whole army on his tail, but at last he learned the truth. Shasta was no slave. Shasta was a lost royal. His father was a king with a kingdom in the northern mountains. Long had he awaited for Shasta to return, and Shasta belonged, and to Shasta belonged all the privileges, properties, and responsibilities that came along with being the son of a king. And Shasta's story is just that, a story, but it reflects an outrageously wonderful truth. Listen to Romans 8, 15 through 17. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, 
But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears with our spirit that we are children of God. And if we are children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Church, today as you consider Jesus' obedience, his faithfulness, and his invitation, know the truth of who you are and where you belong. Jesus' righteousness given to you means you are adopted into the family of God. You are God's son. And ladies, that's for you as well. You belong. And because of Christ, you can hear the Father's words of the Jordan River spoken over you. You are my beloved children. With you, I'm well pleased. Do you believe this? Whether you're a seasoned Christian or just beginning your journey or unsure of where you stand with Christ, would you call on the name of the Lord with me? Let's pray for faith to believe God at his word, that in Christ we belong to our Heavenly Father. May he receive all the glory and honor and praise for what he has done for us. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this glorious truth, a truth that we tend to forget as we go about our day today the truth that your son has made a way for us to be your children. And Father, would you help us to live into that reality that we can share your love with those around us, with people who need to know that they can belong with you. In your name, Father, amen.